Welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And on this podcast, we really work on driving generational change through our motherhood. And we're doing that by just learning and having different conversations on how to become just 1% better in any given area. So we talk about our faith and finances, health, marriage, mindset, parenting, really kind of the whole gamut of things that we are working towards becoming better at as mothers and women in general. And so today, you guys, I'm very excited because we have a guest back on the podcast. This is all, this is the second time that has happened and her name is Dr. Heather Rhodes. We were on the podcast together over a year ago and her episode was number the number one episode on this podcast for a very long time and we talked about stress and low libido and some other things on that episode. So I would go back and listen to that if you have um, a minute to do so. It was an amazing amazing episode. It's actually on one of my best of Legacy Through Motherhood episodes, if you just kind of scroll through um, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today, she is back on, and we're kind of pivoting our conversation, and we're talking about postpartum life mainly. Um, However, it really, if you are a woman, this is going to be super helpful for you and just to follow Dr. Heather Rhodes in general. But if, you know, Dr. Heather Rhodes, if you know her, she really does a lot of hormonal coaching. And like I said, she's a holistic pharmacist as well. So she has a different approach than most just like modern medicine, though she's not against it. But anyway, so I reached out to her. I'm like, listen, (laughs) I love all your hormonal coaching. I love all of this stuff. But what happens when we're like in a freaking mess? Like when we are postpartum and we're up all night and we're nursing and, you know, you literally just had a baby. And so you are just depleted. Like, what do we do then when it is not a stable time for us hormonally when we are not getting the sleep we are maybe you know we don't even have the energy to make ourselves you know a good nutritious meal a lot of the time so like how do we help ourselves in the best like how can we get the most bang for our buck basically so that's what this conversation's about she also talks about so many things links to so many things so make sure you check out the show notes of this episode because it's just going to be as, as much as I could possibly put in there for you guys, I did. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Heather Rhodes. I'm excited to kind of jump in today and we're going to talk about just what we can do to support our postpartum body. And I know that you obviously talk a ton about hormones and we're going to get into all of that, but specifically for postpartum or nursing moms, or for those of us who are just in this limbo of like, we are not in a stable state. (laughs) So what the heck do we do? So before we jump in, if people have not listened to the last episode that you were on, Heather, can you just introduce yourself and what you do? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm a holistic pharmacist, which is just kind of a fancy way of saying that I teach women holistic strategies. So we look at the whole body, we look at the root cause for supporting their hormones, simplifying intentional hormone support so that they can feel better. And, you know, a lot of us walk around with symptoms that are quote unquote normal, like fatigue and energy crashes and, you know, this battle with our weight all of the time and headaches and terrible periods and PMS. And like, we just suffer through it. And my job really is to help you understand like, Hey, there's a better way we can get rid of these symptoms. If we look at your hormones and support them really well with simple, simple strategies, you can start feeling better and not live with these things that kind of steal our time and our joy and our ability to show up how we want as moms. And I was talking, and this is what kind of spurred on this interview and for you to come back on a second time, but I was talking to uh, one of my friends and we were just joking and she was 
having a cup of coffee and um, like doused it with creamer and was like, whatever, I'll just run a mile later. <laughs> it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be fine. And then I'm like, just because of everything that I know from you about the caffeine, which when I ask this question, you can kind of go into the issues of caffeine, number one, or especially be it being the first thing that you do right in the morning. But it really isn't about the like calories of the creamer. That's the issue. It's about how the actual coffee is affecting. So even if you didn't do creamer, like the the impact it's, have, it's having on your hormones is almost more important than the fact that you've had an extra 100 calories with your, <laughs> you know, cold stone creamer. So can you kind of mm-hmm. go into that of what the like underlying implications are of something that's like such a we think need, right? Yeah. We think that this is really helping us. So can you just go yeah. into all of that? Yeah, for sure. So I first want to just kind of paint this picture for us so that we can really understand why and when this matters. Because there's going to be some people that caffeine might be like impairing things, but aren't going to be the deal breaker. But there's other people that this, you know, coffee, caffeine kind of like are, again, simple habits that we get used to and accustomed to and actually form emotional attachments to. They can actually... um, really be harming us in ways that we don't even realize. So when we paint this picture, what we think about is if you were a bucket, like your body is a bucket and it is half full and you do so well for so long living the way you live. And then something happens, like you have a baby and that pours like two extra cups of water into your bucket. So now your bucket's like three fourths away full, right? So your body is still functioning normal. You don't have symptoms. You might have a couple of things here and there, but like you're doing good and nothing is really changing. You're able to lose weight. You're able to diet. You're able to kind of see some changes and some responses in your body and you watch your bucket kind of go up and down. And eventually though, over time, let's say you have another baby and then let's say a pandemic happens and then let's say you switch jobs and then let's say you buy a house. You have another baby. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) For real. Um, Times five for Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) But essentially, all of these things are adding to your bucket. And one day, that bucket's full. And it may be the smallest thing that you poured in there. It might have been like a shot of water, shot glass of water versus a couple cups. But whether it's a full cup or a shot glass, if the bucket's full and you put something else in it, what happens? It, it spills over and you start to realize there's a problem. And then it doesn't matter if you put one drop or three cups of water in that bucket, it is spilling over. And it continues to do so until we take some water out of the bucket. So keeping that in mind, this is a lot of times how our bodies work and function. and where we get confused and mis, you know, guided as women a lot of times is that we think it was that whatever we did, whatever was in that shot glass that just threw things over the edge, right? Like we just are positive that it's, you know, eating dairy. Well, you've tolerated dairy your whole life. It's not necessarily that like you had dairy and that was your, you know, shot glass that we poured into the bucket and now everything's a problem. Right. But then we start realizing everything is a problem because anything we do causes this overflow, causes these symptoms. And so when we really keep this in perspective, keep this in mind, then it helps us to understand that if you aren't daily focusing on how do I pull 
some water out of this bucket? How do I intentionally support my body? How do I build my body's resiliency? And that's the concept of resiliency. Resiliency means that your body can handle stress or stressors without having an overflow, without it causing more symptoms and more inflammation. There's so much that goes on under the surface of our bodies. And a lot of times we do something and then or we notice something, like we notice a symptom and we think it's an immediate response or reaction to something we did that day or the day before. And there are a few times that that's true, but for the most part, the environment, the overall holistic view of what the bucket is looking like, what your body is looking like, how it's being supported or not supported is actually the problem. And so when we think about caffeine to kind of drive us back to this point of, you know, coffee, a lot of us drink coffee every day for years and years and years, and it's just slowly adding to our bucket. And then something else happens and then something else happens. And all of a sudden, this caffeine is like spilling our bucket every single morning. And that is why by two o'clock, we can't function and we feel like we're dying And by, you know, seven o'clock, we are totally exhausted and we're irritable. And then we just kind of feel on repeat and like we don't even recognize our body anymore. And so that's kind of one piece of it, right? Is that caffeine is definitely a stressor. And if you are not intentionally lowering your stress hormones, giving your body that support, increasing your resiliency, then a hundred percent, it is contributing to your problems. The second piece of this to really kind of think about and consider is that the way hormones work is that when your body gets a signal to make a hormone, it makes the hormone. If your body gets a hormone and not the signal, we like bypass the signal, we just give our body a hormone, then your body actually says, oh, cool, somebody's giving this to us every day. Why would we continue making it? That takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy on our part. So we're just going to kind of not make it until we have to. So, so are you talking about like supplements, like when you're just randomly taking supplements? Is that <clears throat> what you're talking about? So I'm talking about any hormone at all. So it could be um, like a supplement, like a cream. It could be like birth control pills is how birth control pills work. And to tie it back to our caffeine, so caffeine basically creates um, a response, a really strong response from norepinephrine and serotonin. These are our like energy awake hormones. These are our stress hormones, really. That's why when you drink caffeine, you have a mini stress response, right? A heart starts beating faster. Um, we feel alert. We feel awake. We feel energized. So what happens is when we give, when your body gets used to that and realizes, hey, there's something here that's giving us energy every morning. There's something here that is stimulating our heart rate. There's something here that is really kind of getting us going. Then rather than your body waking up and creating your energy hormones for the day, which it does first thing in the morning, it says, we don't need to do that. She's going to give us coffee. She does it every single day. So you take your, you drink your coffee and your body doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So it doesn't make those awake hormones, right? but you feel fine because you've got the coffee there to give you energy. Usually it's about six to eight hours later that there's a crash. And what that means is that your body metabolized through that response from the coffee. And because your body didn't make your own energy hormones, you're crashed because you don't have, you never got the peak and you never got the, what you needed all day because 
what your body makes will always last longer. It's meant to be made in the morning and last you 12 to 14 hours. When it's not made in the morning, then essentially you have to wait. So this is how we get that second wind. So what happens is you drink your coffee at nine, you crash at two, you can barely keep your eyes open. You have to go nap with your kids, whatever, which isn't a bad thing, but that's usually how we feel. And then it takes about two hours for your body to get the signal like, oh my gosh, we need some energy. We need some energy. We don't have any. So then your body starts making that energy and it'll actually start making and take another peak closer to the evening. And this is why you're laying in bed totally exhausted and tired at 10 o'clock and can't fall asleep. Um, And I see this happen a lot. We call this cortisol patterning. And it's because your body wants to make your cortisol first thing in the morning and make enough for you to slowly, um, you know, it's like a little picture of a roller coaster. It wants to make enough for it to slowly decrease so that you hit your lowest level before you go to bed. What happens when we add coffee to the mix is that over time, your body doesn't make that curve anymore. And it just kind of stays silent until you're totally out of that cortisol, that cortisol um, activity. Once you've your body's broken down the coffee, and then it starts making energy awake hormones. And so you're having this curve in the middle of like your evening. And then your hormone levels are so high that by the time you try to go to bed, you can't fall asleep. Or you do fall asleep, but you have you start noticing that you're having trouble with digestion and waking up and not feeling rested. And that's another issue that we can see because what happens is your body does all of your resting and digesting overnight. So while you're sleeping, your body is making hormones. It's breaking down your food for the day. It's storing fat. It's taking fat, fat, like all the nutrients from your food and deciding what to do with it. And when that is happening in an environment where there are a lot of stress hormones, there's a lot of cortisol, then it doesn't get done effectively and it gets done really like quick and kind of shoddy. And you can wake up feeling totally fatigued and exhausted because your body didn't get the time to actually reset and take the time it needed to appropriately utilize your nutrients. That was the longest explanation ever. (laughs) No, but that made so much sense. I feel like, because I'm like, as you're saying this, well, and we know you, we've talked, but like, I'm like, okay, well, and I I will say I've been better with coffee since Mm -hmm. we've talked. I, so what do you think about well, hold on. Let me just – one thought. Um, so yes, because I am someone who – like I nap every day or have napped every day from 2 to 4. And I always – I'm such like a nap Nazi. My kids nap from 2 to 4 every single day because I'm like, I need a nap. So like I've been so strict with them. And so they nap, you know, and so then I'll just lay down and I feel like then I'll get my second wind. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like I probably always just chalked it up to the nap, which probably didn't help. But it is. It's like, you know, around like 5 or 6 o'clock when I'm – like around two o'clock, I would get so anxious if like I had to do something at two o'clock, like if I had an appointment or something. So I'm like, I'm exhausted. Like I'm so freaking tired. But then at like five or six, when I'm driving the kids to practice and football and all the things, I'm like, I got a second wind and I'm like ready to go. I'm excited. I'm like, man, why can't I feel like this all day? So that makes sense. Number one. But so how do you feel about like, and I don't know how much you've looked into it, but stuff like mud water or something for like as a coffee alternative because it still does have caffeine, but it's just not like coffee. (laughs) Yeah. So this really depends on where you specifically are at with your hormones and your symptoms. So there are some people that have kind of gone through the detox. I say detox, but like kind of like really pulled coffee out and given their body time to reestablish that, you know, pattern that we want to see. 
because you even said it. You said that at four and five o'clock, you feel like, man, why can't I feel like this all day? That is that is what it feels like to be running off of your body's natural energy hormones, right? So that is what you're meant to feel at nine o'clock. And when that happens, or, you know, whenever you get up for your day. And when that happens, those hormones are meant to last longer and be really, um, and just serve you well. It's kind of like the difference between like a hamburger from McDonald's and a Ruth's Chris steak, right? Like your body makes the high quality, knows exactly how to adapt, knows how to be used correctly, doesn't cause crazy side effects like sweating and jitteriness and irritability. Um, You know, your body makes this like really beautiful, nice profile of what your cortisol and energy hormones should look and feel like. And so um, what I see happen though is it can be twofold. So if we don't ever give your body time to really get that signal to say, hey, we aren't giving you this anymore. You need to start making your own. Then your body will do it. It absolutely has to. That's how it's designed to work. If you give it a little bit of a signal of like, okay, like, hey, we're not going to give you as much. We're still going to give you a little, but like you need to kind of do a little bit more work. Then your body's going to do a little bit more work. So I see some people do just fine with that. and they, they notice that they feel better and they're okay with that. But then I see other people that really, really struggle in that spot because the signal is never so clear that their body starts giving them that like full on Ruth's Chris version of their hormones. They kind of get this, like it improves things because now they have a little bit of those hormones, but they don't get the great peak. They're not lasting as long. So it's kind of, um, it it can kind of hold you back a little bit from really experiencing what it feels like to run off of your body's natural energy hormones. Um, So it's not necessarily something that I think is like a bad idea. I think it's something that you may want to experiment with. I usually recommend doing like three to four months completely off of all caffeine and really letting your body strengthen that signal, seeing how you feel, seeing what differences you notice in your sleep and your mood and your choices with food. Because the other thing is that coffee definitely um, can, it's a stimulant. So it can stimulate your craving center in your brain. And um, caffeine does that in general because, I mean, caffeine is a drug. It was created as a drug. It's always been studied as a drug, like a medication. And so Essentially, um, if you're starting your day with that center activated, it's a lot harder to make choices without that, you know, craving reward center being activated. Whereas your body's natural, like cortisol awake hormones, they don't necessarily activate that craving center in the same way. Um, so that can help you with like your food choices and that type of thing. So, um, what I usually say is, Hey, let's pull things back for three or four months. See how you feel. I always offer alternatives for like the emotional component because I know we get attached to the experience of coffee. That smell attaches to that caffeine hitting our reward center and we literally form an addiction to it like we would anything else that can be addictive, right? And so a lot of times there's also an emotional component because you associate that with, you know, the pictures in your mind of like sitting on the couch with a warm blanket, sipping your coffee and you and your husband holding hands, talking over coffee, right? Like we, we create these emotional bonds to the coffee experience so much. Um, a great one is whatever the black magic target uses to 
just captivate us all of like smelling the Starbucks when you walk in and just picturing, (laughs) yeah, like picturing yourself floating through the autumn aisles of Target sipping your Starbucks and feeling like all is right. like the warmth of the, yep. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, But essentially, if you can kind of pull it out and replace that experience with something else, so there's plenty of alternatives that don't have caffeine, then a lot of times you'll start to notice that you you can do okay. And, and, And what you're actually wanting is that moment and that association versus having to have the caffeine. And um, the only other thing, you know, I'll kind of mention with this, because this is where I see a lot of women kind of get stuck, is that they pull out caffeine right away or they slowly taper off of it, one or the other. But then they feel like crap and they're like, I have no energy. I'm so exhausted. I feel so much worse. This is so bad. But typically that goes away. Like your body, what's happened is you have told your body, hey, like, you're not getting this anymore. And so your body starts getting the signal and saying like, huh, she's not giving this to us anymore, but let's wait and make sure that this is, you know, a true emergency that we need to start changing things. Your body's really good at wanting you to give it a signal over and over and over and over again before it will actually show a change, which is great because, you know, if your body redirected every function because you didn't eat one day, then like you would be feeling like a hot freaking mess, right? Like your body knows how to handle a different, um, something that changes and then wait and see, is this really something we need to respond and react to right away? Or is this something that we can kind of wait out and it'll change? So if you are really consistent, you pull back the caffeine, you don't give your body caffeine for a couple weeks, then if your body has everything it needs to make those energy hormones, it's still going to take time for that to happen. So I can see somewhere between like a seven to 10 day gap where people say like they feel really crummy. And it's just that kind of like interim period of your body getting the signal and gathering the materials to make the hormones to keep you awake and, and that Ruth Chris, you know, feel. But then like it, it takes time for that to actually happen and for you to feel it. And so there's a little bit of a gap there. And so I tell people a lot of times, like if you can just make it through that time frame and give your body time to really restore those hormones and really get that signal strong, then you can see a major change in how you feel. It's just that a lot of us kind of get stuck when we realize like, okay, it's day six without coffee and I feel like crap. I need it to function. I'm going to have to go back to it. Right. Well, and you know, it's interesting. So like mud water for me. So I was somebody who I love, like I love my freaking coffee. Um, And so I, after our conversations on stuff, I switched to uh, mud water and I love it. I absolutely love it. I still use my coffee creamer. So I feel like it still gives me the like taste of my coffee. Um, But I was like, okay, I get one cup in the morning and then the rest of the day I drink water. Now, when I was drinking coffee, I would sip on my coffee for hours. Like I would do it, like I would make it in the morning and then I would just like sip on it until noon and then I would like fill my cup. You know what I mean? And I would just like sip on it most of the day. And so, you know, as far as my water intake was, it was like not, I mean, I'm maybe 10 ounces. It's like ridiculous, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But then I was drinking coffee. So anyways, so when I switched to, you know, mud water as kind of for me, it was like, I, I just wanted something, but then I was like, give myself that cup in the, in the morning. And then I would literally drink probably 80, 90 ounces the rest of the day. Cause I'm just like refilling my water. And that was all I gave myself to drink. I mean, it was like a week and I did not need to nap, which is a huge deal over here in the Sims household. Like I was sleeping, like even now, like I'm sleeping great. Like 
you know, it's just, a, it was totally different experience for me, you know, and I remember going back to coffee after, I don't know, four weeks of being on mud water and I drank it like one cup. Cause I think my husband had it and we were running out the door and I was like, so jittery and like a mess. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was like sweating. I'm like, is this like normal? <laughs> What's going on? But I just feel like I'm like, dang, I used to do that all the time. And I don't, yeah, my body just does not love that anymore. Yeah. And I think it's so important, something you mentioned of like, there are parameters and it's all about the perspective of how it's being utilized and how you're supporting your body through it. Right. So if you're in a season where like you maybe are postpartum and you know you're struggling to get all your meals in and you're not getting a ton of sleep and you just started CrossFit, like coffee is an easy thing to take out (laughs) that's going to serve your body really well, right? Because you know, like, hey, my stress bucket is like overflowing and I need to pull something out. So switching my morning drink doesn't change everything about your life, right? But something you mentioned was like, hey, this is how I worked in still being able to have a little bit of caffeine in this drink that I love. And these are the parameters I put around it. So you took the initiative to say like, okay, I'm going to make sure my body is fully nourished, that it has nutrients besides just sipping coffee all day. I'm going to make sure that I'm eating with this, you know, essentially caffeine or you know, that essentially what happens is when we wake up to our body's done, like I was talking about earlier, it's done all of that work overnight. And that requires a lot of energy and sugar, glucose, that is our body's form of energy. So if we're waking up and we're basically like not giving her body any food, anything to restore and replenish, then it really starts um, increasing stress hormones even more. So we have that double whammy. And then it kind of tells the liver like, hey, we don't have any sugar. We used it all overnight. Have you been storing sugar? Because that's the liver's job. And the liver says, yeah, I've been storing sugar. Everything she eats, I store a little bit of sugar for when we need it and when we don't have fuel. And so then every morning, the body's knocking on the liver's door saying like, hey, we need some sugar. And rather than the liver being like, okay, here's a little bit of sugar to get you through the day, it just dumps everything it has. And that can feel, number one, really stressful. Um, Number two, again, we're activating that craving center. And then number three, we're still increasing stress hormones even more because anytime you have this really big peak or this really big fall in blood sugar, we increase our stress hormones. And I see that happen a lot, especially with women postpartum. And we see this happen a lot with women that, um, you know, potentially have some issues with PCOS or like some high testosterone levels. That's a huge driver of it. And then the next piece of that is we know that when our sugar is too high. So if, you know, every morning we're not eating, we're skipping meals, we're just having coffee and our liver's dumping a whole bunch of sugar in our blood that causes an insulin response. And insulin is a hormone that we usually hear about um, in in response to sugar, but insulin resistance is a major issue for a lot of women. And the reason for that is we get these huge sugar dumps and then our body releases a ton of insulin and it basically creates um, this picture where our body gets so used to releasing insulin that it does it all the time. And then the insulin that's there doesn't work as well. And insulin is a fat storage hormone. So we see a lot of issues with weight over time when people end up, you know, skipping meals and not eating and just relying on caffeine. And it usually in the beginning allows us to kind of see a change in our weight. We're like, oh, well, I can stay super skinny because I only eat one meal a day. But then the longer that happens, the longer you go like that, the more your body slows down your metabolism 
the harder it is for your body to maintain that level. And then we usually start to see weight gain happen pretty, pretty quickly. And then people freak out because they gain weight and they're like, I've got to get it off. I've got to get it off. And the only way to get it off at that point is to go through a full like healing process. And then you can work on weight loss. But once your body kind of puts down what I like to call the parking brake, because your metabolism has been slowed down and your insulin response is up, then it takes a while for us to change that signal. Dang. Yeah, that's that's a lot. And I think you talked about, I mean, this is like kind of a sidestep conversation, but as far as the, uh, I was just thinking about it. I didn't want to forget about it. But as far as the like um, routine of coffee, and you were saying to like be able to replace that in the morning, you're emotionally attached to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know who you were talking to, but I remember you talking to somebody about um, like wine at night to like mm-hmm. wind down. Um, and so like you know that's just like a thing I feel like in this culture. That, yeah. Okay, I need some wine or whatever. And so instead of like you know always having wine to wind down every single night, you were talking about, I think you were saying like, um, you know, instead of doing that, like get some kombucha or whatever, however the heck you pronounce it, or, you know, something else that's actually going to serve your body just in in general instead of whatever. So it really is about just like replacing like a yummy drink (laughs) that you like. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that you can actually support yourself instead of totally jacking yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, and a lot of times too, we want to look at kind of like, it's not that I just want to highlight, like, it's not that you, everybody that's drinking wine at night or everybody that's drinking coffee in the morning needs to stop or needs to make a change or transition. It's more so like, hey, if this is how you're feeling, if these are some of the symptoms you're having, if you're having difficulty sleeping, if you're waking up exhausted, if, you know, your weight is at a standstill and you know that, like, that's really causing problems or you feel like that's really causing problems for you and it's coming alongside, you know, mood swings and irritability and all of that. Like this is when you hone in and start thinking about some of these small habits and switching them up. Um, A lot of times I see one of the like key things that I teach is really how to time and kind of like create your meals, your daily kind of um, the overview of your meals during the day to really serve and support your hormone function. And because your hormones in your body do a lot overnight while you're sleeping, giving it some fuel before bed isn't a terrible idea. But when we do that with something that isn't actually fuel, it's, you know, alcohol in general is just going to, your body's going to have to work really hard to break that down because, you know, we know that it's kind of toxic. That's why we feel drunk, right? <laughs> like, so <laughs> Sorry, like you're kind of like, yeah, you're giving your body a little more work to do before it starts heading into work. It's almost like, you know, if your kids like spilled an entire jug of milk on the floor before you ran out the door to go to work, like you're doing work before you have to do work. And that's really annoying. Um, so it's kind of the same concept there. So what you can do instead, I mean, wine is fine if you if you want a glass of wine every now and then, but if you're having issues with sleep and you're having issues with waking up and energy and all of that, then something even, you know, better than even kombucha is going to be something that's got a decent amount of fat and some protein. Um, even, I, I, tr- I try to say like, if there's some longer acting carbs, that's fine. But even if you skip the carbs, that's fine. Because what you're doing is really setting your body up for having some long lasting fuel and kind of giving it exactly what it needs to head into its like work period overnight to do what it needs to do effectively and to do it well and to have more energy to do it. So that way you wake up with that true rested feeling. So I actually recommend now, you know, before bed for people to think about, it doesn't have to be a drink. It could be whatever, but really trying to get in some fats and protein as your last meal. 
Um, so that way your body really gets this nice little hug before it goes into it's time to work and break down things and make hormones and all that. Instead of getting a spilled gallon of milk on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is a lot of moms have trouble waking up overnight and a lot of times that's a sugar response, a blood sugar response. And so if we can give your body some more calories, number one, some more fats, um, before bed, then a lot of times I can keep your blood sugar stable enough to last those 12 hours while you should be getting your adequate sleep. So, okay. So then let's talk about um, postpartum when you are up every two hours. So does your mm-hmm. body adjust to that? Or like, so I'm think so like I was drinking some coffee like at the beginning when I had Lucy, but now I'm back on my mud water just because I love it. And I don't know why I went back probably just out of convenience or whatever. But, um, but like I, f- I feel so much better now. Now she's a, she's a gym. She literally slept like five or six hours straight last night. So like I can't, but for all my other boys, what, you know, they're up every two hours. So does your body like adjust to that? And like in the morning when you are, you know, up and you need to go to work or whatever, and you're exhausted, like, is your body going to take into account like, okay, for a month now we've been up 14 times overnight. So like, does it adjust to that? Or is that something where in this period you might need something to supplement? Yeah. So the short answer is yes and no, I guess. Um, (laughs) that's a helpful answer. So (laughs) short answer is good enough. (laughs) So let me tell you both sides of the story here. So the first is that your body doesn't adjust the way it is releasing cortisol. If, if the light is coming on and you are waking up, it's getting ready to release that awake hormone. Right. Um, but the benefit is when you are postpartum, you usually have more progesterone. Your progesterone is definitely dipping, but you usually have more of it. Um, and that is your re- relaxation hormone that actually helps you sleep. So that essentially, if you are up, you've got a little more of this hormone to keep you relaxed and to kind of combat your stress signals just being all over the place all the time. But even with that, if you're postpartum, your stress signals are all over the place all the time, right? And so we know that your body really is having a hard time feeling safe. It's having a hard time understanding, you know, what exactly is happening, that it's not getting sleep and that its sleep is being broken up. And that, you know, really sends very strong stress signals to the brain. So what we see usually happen, though, is that we pair this really, really stressful time frame with low calorie, um, trying to get your body back being super stressed in general, trying to figure out when you're going to go back to work, trying to do all the things. And it's almost like that bucket is, you know, that bucket is completely filled and overfilled with just the physiological component of being postpartum. And then things get added to it all the time, just because we forget, not even forget, but a lot of times you're just not taught like how much extra support your body needs to be able to keep things stable. Um, So like, Food is one of the biggest ones I see being a problem because a lot of times we're breastfeeding and we're not sleeping and we're, so our body's having to make more cortisol and more like milk. And a lot of postpartum women are so highly undernourished that, I mean, it it just sets the stage. I mean, it literally makes me feel like no wonder there are such things as, you know, postpartum psychosis and that type of thing, because a body that is just constantly not able to sleep, number one, but also just doing everything it can to try to survive day in and day out, um, especially if it's not, if it doesn't have the resources it needs to do that, goes into very, very clear, prominent survival mode. And what, 
you know, you can be diagnosed with psychosis is actually a brain just trying to figure out how to survive. Um, so some of the big pieces there are, you know, making sure that if you can't control your sleep a whole lot, the things you can control, you are very, very um, intentional about. So that means, you know, maybe pulling back on social media because we know that's a huge stressor, even though you may feel really good being on social media and you're like, I don't get stressed when I'm on social media, but there's blue lights from the computer. There's dopamine hits from seeing all the people and the things and the words and all of that stuff. And then on top of that, a lot of times we have issues with eating. So not just like the time of like, how do I make enough food for me and my family, but also just the time of like having to worry about feeding someone else all the time. I really, you know, just encourage moms to find whatever resource they can to take advantage of the food trains that come to make sure that like, if you can, if this is an option for you, that you have a ton of those like freezer meals and things prepared so that you can be eating like 24 seven, because for every, you know, I don't know if we like were to put this in measurement for every unit of stress hormones, you can give your body some good calories and it can help balance them out. But the more you miss meals, the less you eat, the more stress you have, the more we are like, adding all of these things. Um, someone described this, that postpartum is like a pressure cooker. We're just adding mm-hmm. all of these things and it is bound to overflow at some point. So the bad news is that no, your body definitely gets stressed out and starts feeling a little crazy after waking up every two hours. It doesn't reset your cortisol correctly. It can definitely, we can definitely see issues with cortisol patterning when we're postpartum. Um, but your body gives you a little bit of a protection mechanism for those first three to four months. And there are things you can do to keep supporting it so that it's ready to go back and repattern correctly when it's time. So this can, you know, involve things like being out and getting adequate sunlight and vitamin D, taking your walks in the morning, watching the sun rise and fall, sweating during the day, not like going through a crazy workout, but just like moving your body in some capacity, especially in the morning. All of those things are going to help kind of give your body that signal of like, hey, this is morning. So you may not feel like this is morning because you didn't sleep much last night, but I want to give you that strong signal so that when we do start sleeping longer periods of time through the night, you're very aware of what morning is for us. And then we'll I mean, so I was just thinking about the whole, you know, getting outside. I feel like I hear that all the time, like getting outside in the sunlight in the morning, moving your body and whatever. And I'm like your whole circadian rhythm of like making sure that you are, you know, so if you're, if you're up all night and you're up all night with the baby or whatever, but every single morning you're going out for a walk and you're, you know, drinking your water and you're having your breakfast that's actually nutritious and whatever else, then will that kind of keep your body saying like, okay, this is – so the hormones we were talking about before when we were mm-hmm. talking about, you know, our bodies making us feel awake mm-hmm. if we were sleeping through the night, will those kick in? And so then that's where we'll just get normal energy. It's just at the – like during the night and overnight, we're just going to be a hot mess. Or is it – does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, it just kind of depends, I think, on what the the picture looks like for you. So I think what you're saying is, you know, can your body give you that, you know, boost of energy in the morning and it still lasts all day, even if, you know, you're up all night? And up all night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just like we talked about in the very beginning, your body's really, really good at doing what it needs to do and supporting you in any way it can 
if it has everything it needs. So if you've got adequate amounts of calories for it to do so, and there's a really strong signal that, hey, this is morning, we need to be up, then it's going to try to do that as best as it can. There's always going to be, you know, your body has to have time to rest. And if it doesn't have time to rest and reset, then we're definitely going to see the impacts of that. So a couple of things are, you know, making sure that during the night, you can try to still help your body understand that it's night. So you could utilize different color lights. Um, so rather than like turning on your lights, use, utilizing lamps and red lights and that type of thing, red light therapy postpartum can be really, really helpful in maintaining circadian rhythm and decreasing stress. They can also be amazing for um, clogged ducts and mastitis. So you could get something like a little juvie red light. And I mean, they are pricey for sure. But a lot of times I think you get a payoff. You end up making that money back in how you feel, how productive you can be, how supported you are during that time frame. Um, so that's kind of like a piece of it. And then, you know, remembering that we are, I mean, we are, our bodies do work in tune with nature. So like you mentioned, being outside, seeing the sunrise, seeing the moon, seeing that it's dark out, turning your lights off in the house once the sun goes down. Like these are all things that are going, getting, oh, um, blue light blocking glasses and keeping the TV and the phones and the computers, like that, those lights either blocked or off. These are all things that are going to help your body be ready to do what it needs to do um, when it needs to do it. But there's always going to be a, um, like, like your body can only do so much for so long. So that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a point where you can be doing all of the things and still be struggling to get those good amounts of energy hormones first thing in the morning. Um, and if that's the case, I, I really do recommend that, you know, you look into what options for you could be. So whether that be that, you know, your husband does a late night bottle or does two late night feedings and then you do the middle of the night feedings or you do the early morning feedings. Um, I know it's hard with bottles and latching and breastfeeding and all of that, but just kind of really exploring what would serve you the best during this time period. Postpartum is the number one time to be as selfish as possible when it comes to you and the baby. Yep. And I, I feel like it's just, it's a time when the, we're supposed to be taking those 12 weeks off, you know, which what, I mean, in any other culture in like country, it's more than that, but you know, we really should. And it's like, there's so many people who are back to work at six weeks, full throttle, you know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you can help it. Sometimes you can't, but it just, it just, like you said, if you can't control certain things then you need to be controlling the things that you absolutely can. And I think also it really helped me, which we haven't talked about this, but since you, um, you recommended the, uh, what is it? The element or whatever, uh, the salt water. Oh my gosh. Can you talk about that? Because I got like a hundred pack and I drink them every single day. And that's been like with my mud water. And then I just drink that like the rest of the day. That's been, I think, super helpful just with nursing and with my supply and just energy in general. Because I think like I was saying before, with my coffee habit, it was like, it wasn't just a coffee habit, but it was also probably the fact that I was so exhausted was like, I wasn't drinking any water. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that was a huge issue. So on top of the coffee. So once I got rid of the coffee um, and did mud water and then added, you know, adequate drinking, then it was helpful. But then can you talk a little bit about this salt water? And I can link this in the show notes also. Yeah, for sure. So another thing that's really, really important is we need water. Yes. But your body also needs minerals to execute any function. So if we go super deep into the body, everything runs 
off of cells. So like you have little cells in your body and they carry out all the functions and groups of cells form to create hormones, to create responses. Everything's ran in that way. Every single cell runs off of some type of mineral. So we are thinking things like calcium, potassium, sodium, magnesium. Magnesium alone fuels like something, I don't know the exact number, but it's something over like 70% of all of your body's reactions. So for your body to do anything, it has to have adequate amounts of these minerals. And it's super easy in our culture to just be really deficient in minerals for a couple reasons. One being that our, um, so minerals come from the soil and our um, food, a lot of times our food chain, our food supply, our food distributing process involves a lot of pesticides that can grab onto these minerals and kind of make them inactive. And then a lot of times we use different like washes and stuff. And so long story short is we can be really mineral deficient super easily. Um, And a lot of times we drink just a ton of water and don't really focus on replacing these minerals and electrolytes so that our body can do all the things it needs to do. Sodium and magnesium are huge for this. Magnesium, um, your body will just burn through it when you're under stress. And when you are breastfeeding, your body uses so much sodium. And so when you are replenishing it every single day, these minerals, sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, then your body has this really great, adequate replenishing store of exactly what it needs to fuel reactions. So um, it's almost like if you think of a race, like if you have cars on a racetrack or whatever, they're able to go so long, so fast, so far because they have a pit stop. And their pit stop has readily available, high quality, tons and tons of extra things like tires and bolts and screws and gas and like whatever cars need to run, right? It's kind of the same, it's kind of the same thought process of when you have tons of water, tons of calories, tons of minerals and electrolytes, your body's able to go and go and go and do things that are harder than normal and that are really stressful because it's able to have these things that are there to fuel you to keep going. And a lot of times in postpartum, we don't have those, a lot of women don't have those things or they're not, you know, ever taught like, hey, these are really important things. And so they're just struggling and they're struggling with every single lap. And you can see a huge difference when we start really bringing in these extra layers of support because you're able to get that replenishment and your body isn't working so hard to go and find these um, minerals to fuel these reactions. Because if you're not replenishing them, your body goes and finds them in other places. So one of the places that your body knows has a ton of minerals is actually your mucous membranes. And so that includes things like your gut lining. It includes things like your cervical mucus. It includes things um, really internally that you need to keep really strong barriers and to keep great function in your organs. And when your body is going and kind of taking those membranes and using them for fuel, it can cause some bigger issues. So one thing we hear and see a lot of a lot of gut problems when somebody, you know, goes through really stressful situations, whether it be postpartum or just high stress. And a lot of times that's because if you're not having enough nutrients, not having enough minerals, not having enough electrolytes, then your body starts kind of pulling that from other places. And that can allow your gut lining to get a little leaky. And then we see some autoimmune stuff come into play. And um, a lot of women postpartum have issues with lubrication, with hormone production, um, a lot of stuff, you know, just in general with cervical mucus. And, And all of that definitely is your hormones play a role in that with the prolactin being there and not ovulating in the same way or at all. But we still know that if we can give our body this like great 
huge store of everything it needs and be replenishing it daily. And just like, we're kind of there as, um, like, you know, like an Olympic, if you were in the Olympics and you had a trainer that was there with like fresh water and a towel to wipe off your sweat and giving you that protein bar as you keep running, like those are the people that perform the best. And that is essentially what your body needs. And so these, um, mineral replacements can be really helpful for that. So element is one of them. It's L-M-N-T. Um, it's a great one. I have a ton of clients that postpartum have said it like has made such a difference with energy and a lot of times migraines and headaches can come from mineral um, deficiencies. And so I have one client that's like, I feel like I get a headache every single day. I don't take this, um, which, you know, just it doesn't mean that everybody will feel like that, but it can definitely show of like, hey, when you have these things, your body really is able to feel that support. Um, and you don't have to utilize a fancy, you know, supplement. Sometimes those make it easier. If there's anything that can make postpartum life easier, I say go for it and utilize it. But you can also do this through a lot of times this is kind of a trend I've been seeing on Instagram lately. They call them mineral mocktails. And it's really the same concept of just taking something like coconut water that's got a great amount of minerals, mixing some Redmond sea salt or Himalayan pink salt with it to replenish that sodium. You can do the juice of something like a lime um, to get you some of that added potassium. And some people will even stir in like some vitamin C or some magnesium. So there's ways there's ways to um, replenish these nutrients and it doesn't have to be a supplement, but there needs to be some form of supplementation, whether that be through a natural like whole food option, like a mineral mocktail or um, you know, through something like the element and that kind of something I did want to mention really quickly. It brings me to like the other side of food. We were talking specifically about like minerals and electrolytes with drinks, but the same thing matters when it comes to your food quality and the foods that you're having. And so really making sure that those meals you're having postpartum are, um, you know, really high and dense in nutrient nutrients and micronutrients in, um, vitamins. So having, you know, more red meat, having more, you know, organ meats, if you can sneak those in, if not do a supplement for organ meats, um, making sure that you're having, you know, longer acting carbs, that you're getting some antioxidants like fruit in. These are things that are really important because they have really dense calories, um, and really dense minerals. And they're making the times that you are stopping to eat really count and last longer for you. Did you say organ meats? I did. <laughs> I've never heard. <laughs> I don't even what what is that? I don't even know what you're talking. I mean, is it no, literally I mean, like organs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's essentially this is that is super weird to just throw into a conversation. Um, <laughs> but essentially, you know, we eat most of America. Like, we eat a lot of like chicken and turkey and. I say I'm looking this up, and it's of- like heart and gizzards and lungs and. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't go that far, but liver is one of the best, easiest ones. So a lot of people like liver mush. Um, and you can also like buy liver and just, it, it, sometimes liver can have a taste, but it can be a really muted taste. So (laughs) this is going to sound so crazy. Um, there are people, (laughs) no, no. So there are people, you know, I say people, but I mean, we know that you can, when you replenish, okay, so hold on, let me back up a little bit. When is this when people eat their placenta or is that a totally different conversation? Okay. Okay. Totally different conversation. (laughs) (laughs) You know, our bodies get so much nutrients from animals in general. And 
a lot of times just because of, again, like society, culture, et cetera, we don't really eat the parts of the animal that can serve our bodies the most anymore, right? Like that's kind of how bone broth has come back into favor because we realize, like, oh my gosh, you get a ton of collagen, a ton of gelatin, a, con- a ton of like gut healing and antimicrobial pieces. Um, yes, we love we love bone broth. Yeah, yeah. And so the concept is kind of the same, whereas you get a ton of bioavailable minerals and nutrients from things like the liver or the heart or the kidneys of you know, an animal specifically, it's usually those red meat animals like beef or um, bison or um, sometimes pork, I think they'll use. I think the big one is probably beef. Um, But essentially, we don't eat those anymore because they're considered like gross and who does that, right? But (laughs) if you're really looking for, we call it almost um, like nature's multivitamin because it's got, it's almost like a multivitamin, which we all take and we have no problem taking that's vitamins made from chemicals that our body has to like break down and figure out how to use. Well, you can get a bioavailable form of that through eating more of these liver products or organ products from animals because animals used to be our source for that before we made multivitamins. Um, And that's because animals eat, you know, things from the soil and then they have all of their vitamins and everything are really harvested in these organs because they are what are fueling their reactions in their body. So the basic, most easiest way to do this, if this sounds totally like foreign, like this girl has fallen off her rocker is like you can buy um, capsules. So like we have, I take a, um, freeze-dried organ complex in a capsule every morning. Um, My husband is vegetarian, so I know he's super nutrient deficient, and he has a really hard time breaking down B vitamins, but he needs a lot of B vitamins because he doesn't eat meat. Um, So I have slowly, slowly, slowly convinced him just to have like one or two of these capsules a couple times a week to really get that bioavailable like replenishment of his nutrients and vitamins and that type of thing. Um, And he notices a huge difference in how he feels and his energy and that type of, you know, those types of responses because they're things that we need. And other things that I think are really important when it comes to minerals, they could be a whole different topic of conversation. But we see things like copper and vitamin A, you need to have adequate levels of those to be able to have your iron levels stay high and stay mobile and functioning so that you have energy and um, you know, all the things that iron does, which is like basically everything. And so a lot of times if you are having trouble getting adequate levels of copper and vitamin A in your diet, then we'll see issues with iron deficiency. And it's not truly that you're deficient in iron. It's more so that your iron doesn't have what it needs to start moving around the body and doing what it needs to do. So adding something like an organ complex can really be helpful at getting those adequate levels because we definitely are a little more cautious of supplementing a synthetic form of vitamin A or copper. Um, That can be a little more harmful. But when you're having something that is in a food, your body's able to take what it needs, use what it needs, and get rid of of the rest. Hmm. That's interesting because I feel like I have always struggled with like energy, but I've also been anemic every time that I'm pregnant. Um, And so I don't – does that like – just, I wonder if that just continues on afterwards or if that just re- like replenishes. I don't know. I don't get like another blood test afterwards, but um, I feel like that would be helpful. So what what brand do you use for the organ complex? Yeah. Um, so Paleo Valley has a great one. I think they've been out of stock for a while. So I started using ancestral supplements um, and I use their 
B-flavor capsules most of the time. I think the dosage is like six capsules a day. And I usually recommend starting off much smaller than that because sometimes that can be so much like bioavailable um, vitamins that you could feel like a little nauseous. So I start with two and then work my way up. And another way you can do this, again, I hate people feeling, you know, like I just have to go buy all these expensive supplements and whatever. Like, no, that's not the case. When you are thinking about supplements, you can also you go eat of- a tongue. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but what I you mean, could have, do- like this list on here is like ridiculous, <laughs> like a tongue and like a, okay, that's cool. <laughs> so, and I will say again, like you might find some crazy stuff, but I keep it super basic with like heart, liver, kidneys. Like liver is really the best, the main one. And um, I shouldn't say the best, but it's the main one. And what some people do is you could just head to like, Earth Fair, Whole Foods, wherever, get you a grass-fed beef liver. You can buy – it looks just like a steak. It's just a little different. You can buy them frozen. You can take them home. You can cut them up into, like, these tiny little bite-sized pieces, put them in, like, an ice cube tray, stick them in your freezer, and then just pop one every day, and you'll never taste it. And it's insanely cheap. Hmm. So do you do um, do you do these like uh, organ complex stuff on top of bone broth or is bone broth kind of the same thing? Or are they two separate things? Yeah, they're definitely different. I mean, uh- um, bone broth is a great place to start if this whole organ conversation has you feeling like what in the world? Um, bone broth is a great place to start. So bone broth is where they soak the bones um, of an animal. And inside of our bone marrow is actually, you know, essentially like kind of the equivalent to stem cells. It's, it's not actually that, but a lot of people know about stem cells and they regenerate and like they're really great for you. So there are a ton of pieces of like um, collagen and you get a lot of the really kind of like healthy healing restorative cells from the animal by drinking the bone broth. Um, and so a lot of times to make bone broth, it takes like the bone sitting in you know, a specific broth or boil for like days and days and days. Um, so it's kind of hard to make, not hard, but it's more difficult than if you're going to like make it at home. So a lot of times we just buy bone broth and it can be really great to, I, I see bone broth as really serving the purpose of increasing collagen. So when someone tells me like they're having issues with their gut, they're having issues with autoimmune stuff, um, they're having digestive issues or they're needing a huge replenishment of mucous membranes, i.e. you are postpartum and you have a lot of healing going on. Um, And healing meaning like your skin. So you need collagen, you need different types of like what we consider almost like our body's form of fiber, not fiber like that you eat, but like the tendons and ligaments and like that type of thing that's going to hold all of these tissues together. Utilizing bone broth can be a really great option there. So someone that's postpartum, I would say like bone broth for three or four months, once or twice a day, because that's going to allow your body to have an excess of everything it needs to number one, keep your gut happy and more healed while you're going through a really stressful time period. And we know when the environment around our gut includes a lot of stress hormones, things can get a little disrupted. And then number two, because you probably have some major tissue damage and healing um, of specific areas, you know, depending on how your child was delivered and having an excess of collagen and things that your body needs to make, you know, these to repair these tissues is really, really beneficial. And so you can buy, um, there's all types of bone broth. Like they make flavored bone broth that has like apple cider vinegar and like 
celery and Thanksgiving style, or you can buy it that has like jalapenos, you can buy it plain, and you can sneak bone broth into almost anything. Like I'll um, boil noodles in it. I will not like just bone broth, but I'll pour it in noodles I'm boiling. I will pour it on anything. I'm like sauteing if I need a little liquid. I use it as a base for soups all the time. Um, I found a recipe recently for a bone broth hot chocolate. So you just like make hot chocolate and just pour a tiny bit of bone broth in there. You'll never taste it. Some people just sip bone bone broth by itself. I like it. I feel like it, Justin, um, so when he was on keto, he's not anymore, but he would do um, bone broth and then he would put some like grass-fed butter in it. And then he would put like uh, our Himalayan salt in it to make it just a little more salty. And it tastes like chicken noodle soup broth. Like that's what it tastes like. Not as strong as that, but like – and I don't, I mean, it's just like a salty, like broth. Like, I don't know. It's, I don't, I don't think it's bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, um, option, you know, and again, like postpartum, that is so good for you. And it's so easy if you like have it made in a big batch and then you just kind of like pour what you need. It's really great when people get sick, um, or anybody's sick, because again, you've got a lot of those kind of like what we call healing, helping cells in there to really make sure your body has everything it needs to fight off whatever it needs to fight off. Um, It can be really calming and soothing. Another kind of piece of this is that having warming foods, so things that really keep your body warm, can actually be really supportive postpartum too. So lots of warming foods. Um, Other things, oh, I was thinking, I was reading the other day about uh, seaweed for postpartum because it's got just a little bit of iodine, kind of like, I want to say just the right amount, but it definitely depends for everybody how much they need. But a lot of times our thyroid can take a hit, you know, during pregnancy and post-pregnancy and having adequate iodine is really important to help that restore function well. Um, And your thyroid sets the stage for your metabolism. And a lot of times our metabolism slows down tremendously during postpartum because we're in a really stressful situation. Your body's in survival mode. And so um, just making sure that your body has a, a lot of warming foods, a lot of these minerals and nutrients, and even considering things like iodine. So having like a little bit like those seaweed snacks or throwing some seaweed in, you know, some rice, like the flakes and that type of thing, like really small, minimal things that don't require a ton of effort from you, but can really make a difference in how your body recovers. Okay, I can't say that I have like seaweed lying around or I've ever thrown it in anything between your organs and seaweeds, girl. I don't <laughs> I got a you lot can to buy, learn. like flakes, like little it sounds crazy, oh. right? But like there's like dried seaweed flakes, there's dried seaweed snacks. I mean, I think like, I'm only thinking like sushi is what I'm thinking about yeah, when you're saying seaweed. Sushi's great too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there it's you go. It's the same thing. Like the the right. paper they wrap sushi in, they base it like you can get it like ground and that's your like seaweed flakes. Right. So like, gotcha. um, yeah, it, it's the same thing. It's not like, I'm not saying, I do realize <laughs> when you say that you could think like, oh, so you're just going and pulling some algae out of the ocean and taking it home and boiling. <laughs> I mean, like, I think, the, I mean, they use seaweed in sushi, right? So wrap it or like yeah. some, some form, like that's what I was thinking yeah. of. But then you're like, just throw it, throw it in some stuff. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's amazing too, like how much you don't realize how many uh, or how much things are so like versatile, like, you know, that you can just throw it in. You really can go get that at a Whole Foods or whatever. You know, it's not so, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like most grocery stores will have some, some type of seaweed flakes. They're probably in like the, um, 
you know, like they usually have like an ethnic aisle that's got like all different types of cuisine. Um, they're usually somewhere like that. And they're just these little, they almost look like salt shakers. And they're just that exact same seaweed paper that you can find in um, sushi. But mm. somebody has taken it and like turned it into little flakes instead. So you can just use it to like top things if you like that taste. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, okay. So as always, I feel like we could just literally just keep going off and, and talking about a million things, but I will let you go. And can you guys, Heather literally has a million different resources. She's got amazing, I mean, courses. She's, you guys aren't, you're getting ready to do a webinar for something. Um, when is your webinar? Our webinar is next Wednesday, the 13th at 1 p.m. Oh, that'll be perfect because this will release on the 11th. So you're good. We can, why don't you talk yeah. about that really quickly? Yeah, yeah. So I am having a webinar free training on Wednesday, the 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it is called Fix Your Hormone Mess Foundations. So I've ran this webinar a couple of times and it really is teaching you how do your hormones work? Why do you feel like your hormones are totally out of balance? And what are your first four steps for supporting and holding hormone balance in your body? Um, and we just go over these like basic principles and these easy shifts. And I answer questions. And the point is for you guys to really walk away truly understanding the role that your hormones are playing and having some action steps of how do you support them and what does that look like and how it can be easy. Um, and this round is the foundations because we've shortened the training just a little. We're making it a little bit more bite-sized and we're really honing in on some of these key pieces that we even touched on today, Stephanie, such as metabolism and what role your metabolism plays in your hormones and nutrition. Um, so we're really focusing on those two pieces of intentional hormone support at the webinar. So you can sign up at the link on my Instagram bio. So my Instagram handle is just at Dr. Heather Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. And there's a link there to sign up for the webinar. Um, and yeah, I think that was your only question, right? Yeah. No, no, that's perfect. Yeah. I was like, I think this is going to actually release right in perfect time for people to hop on that also because Yay. I mean, I'll probably be on there also because here I am. I'm postpartum, obviously. So um, okay. So I will have all of this stuff as much as I can. I wrote down like a million notes, but I'm sure it's going to like jump from <laughs> all the stuff that we talked about. But as far as like the salt water that I'm taking now, the element, the element, um, I'll put that link on there. I love that stuff. And it's actually, it's really not, I got like a big bulk. It was like 130 pack. And I mm -hmm. think it was like $90 after, um, after the discount or whatever for getting it in bulk. Yeah. So it was like less than, you know, like 70 cents a day or something like that. So I'm just yeah. saying, I mean, it wasn't like cheap, but it's also not crazy expensive. Um, and then They're I will put such a good company. Like they, they sent me a free package like last month and they were like, Hey, we've had some shipping issues. So here's a free package. And I was like, wow, <laughs> they're so Dang. great. Yeah. Well, and then you, there's like, you can get the free five pack or I think you pay like five yeah. bucks to get like a, a, to taste all of them. They have some like pepper flavored ones, which I mean, I wasn't my favorite, but the other ones, like all the fruity, like citrus, watermelon, that kind of stuff I loved, yeah. but they all were very unique flavors just in general. And so it's not just like you're you're straight up drinking like an ocean water. <laughs> right, right, I mean, right, right. Is a, actually, is a one. Yeah, I love the mango chili. That's my favorite. That's the one I order oh, every month. See, what what was it? The lemon pepper or something? I was that like- That was terrible. <laughs> I was like, I would like shake it up and then I would like go to drink it. And I'm like, my eyes would burn. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. this is, but if you like spice, it's not like overwhelming. It's just, I don't like spice at all. 
<laughs> so that was yeah. not for me. But they and had the like thing watermelon I'd love to citrus. Do, the other thing I'd love to do is like mix them in margaritas because they're salty and they have a good flavor. And you can literally just be drinking like water and tequila if you wanted just like one margarita. But I, they're so helpful because I feel like you're like enjoying a little drink, but you're not overloading your body with sugar and you're actually giving it something a little supportive. They're really good like drink mixers if you're, you know, looking oh. for one. <laughs> See? Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and yeah. I um I have been mixing it with that potassium. Oh, yeah. Um thing because that's just a little sweeter. So I feel like it's like a little bit of the salty and the sweet and it's amazing. So anyways, I will yeah. I will link to um I will attempt to link to everything that I uh, we talked about today and just like kind of take some notes. But you guys should hop on that webinar because I'm sure that's just going to take you one step further. But all right, Heather. Well, thank you so much for coming on and just teaching us about all the things. I I love it every time. <laughs> Yay. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. And I just have to do a tiny disclaimer that we will not be talking about organ meats and seaweed on the webinar. It is very basic. If you felt like this was <laughs> like, okay, wait, I have to do what to fix my hormones? No, 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 no. Oh <laughs> just remember we went really in depth and a lot of times I just love to hit the basics and give you some super simple, like easy shifts. So as much as I love seaweed and organ meats, they aren't required. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I feel like that's the kind of stuff that people are like, I didn't even know, you know, I didn't like I'm yeah. super interested. I wasn't weirded out by – I mean, I was a little weirded out when I Googled it. <laughs> like, oh, she's <laughs> over there eating some, like, tongue and tonsil meat. That's weird. But, no, no, but no. you know, obviously, like, there's the capsules and there's whatever. And it's just we don't know what we don't know, you know? Exactly. And so for people like you that have such a, like, crazy knowledge about all of this stuff and can be like, hey, this is something that's generally helpful for everyone that we're – most of us are probably depleted in, especially postpartum. It's like I can take a capsule, you know? And obviously yeah. – within reason or whatever, but it's just, it is super helpful when you hear stuff like that. Like I would have never thought seaweed until this conversation. I would have never even known right. that organ complex was a thing until this conversation. So I think it's just super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And like, how easy is it to buy a supplement and sprinkle some seaweed salt on your food or some salt in your water and possibly avoid, you know, years and years of lab work and a thyroid med and hormone replacement and all of that. So it definitely can feel a little out there at times, but I really think when you put it in this, you know, broader perspective of like, hey, you can do some small things that really will support your body towards not having that constant overflow and things feeling really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think just the the teaching, even at the beginning of this podcast of like, I feel like it just all linked together really well. And so at the end, it was like, and so here's, you know, things that yeah. can help with this. And so it just makes sense. So some people may be like, oh, no, I, I get plenty of that from, you know, maybe people order tongues. I don't freaking know. Or they eat liver. You know, that isn't, I, you know, I liver makes more sense to me <laughs> than the other stuff that I saw. But you know what I mean? And they can be like, no, I do get yeah. that or I don't or whatever. And like water. I feel like we're always told to like chug water postpartum, but hey, like put some salt in it. That is yeah. just a little more helpful. Oh it's just a little bit more helpful. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you are breastfeeding because that stuff is like filled. I mean, it's not like filled with salt, but your body has to have so much of it to pull the milk and to make the milk and to, you know, all the things. Right. Yeah. So, well, yay. thank you so Love much. It. And Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, and you guys go follow her on Instagram. She literally is constantly teaching this kind of stuff on her stories. If you are loving this conversation like I do. So, all right, Heather, thank you so much. Yay. Okay. Bye. Okay. I told you guys. <laughs>
<laughs> there was so much in there. There's so much. Oh my goodness. Like organ meat. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was the only one in the world to never hear of that. Um, but I guess liver. Liver sounded normal to me when she said that. But when I when I Googled it as we were talking, I was like, oh Lordy, this is going to freak people out. Um, but it's, you know, between that and the magnesium and the um, bone broth and all these little things, right? All these little things like, oh, that's a random supplement. I could take that. I didn't know the the element that we were talking about, the salt water stuff that's delicious that I that I use. That's going to be in the show notes. Like we cannot do it all, but there are some simple things that we can just do to support our body. And so I hope that you guys found this episode really, really helpful. I absolutely love having her on the podcast. I We were cracking up the whole time. Um, but make sure you guys check out the show notes. I put everything in there that I could, and I will talk to you all next week. And I look forward to walking with you to help you find your grit while completely covering you. <laughs>